Welcome to Weekly Homilies. Each week we present a homily by Father Mark Suslanko, pastor of the community of St. Isidore and Maria in beautiful Glastonbury, Connecticut. These are introduced by myself, Jonathan Sozek, director of our community's Faith Formation Office. For more about Father Mark and the life of our community, please head over to isidoreandmaria.org. Today, we present Season 1, Episode 6 of this podcast. We will hear Father Mark's homily from January 28, 2018, the fourth Sunday of Ordinary Time in Year B. The Gospel reading for today is Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 28. Let us listen now to that reading, then hear Father Mark's response. A reading from the Gospel according to St. Mark. Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and, with a loud cry, came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere, throughout the whole region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. We often struggle with Jesus' authority. We live in a society that really promotes rugged individualism. After all, who tells me what I can or cannot do? There is this sense of independence remote from any type of authority figure. But yet we consider Jesus to be our Lord, and that has implications for how we live our lives. Jesus' authority. There are many ways in our lives that we can begin to embrace Jesus' authority, but I really think there's two areas that we struggle with even more so than others in really trying to listen and implement his teaching. The first has to do with our struggle with suffering and death. And the second has to do with issues concerning social justice. Suffering and death and social justice. All of us in our life's journey has been in a dark place at one point or another a place where life has become very uncomfortable, where I'm feeling anxious. Maybe I've even bumped up against my own mortality or the mortality of someone I love. Darkness is a reality of the human experience. But you know, it's interesting how we view darkness in a spiritual sense. 
You know, this past fall when we changed the clocks, you know, one person after the other would just propine how hard it is dealing with this profound darkness, you know, that you leave the house in the morning and it's dark, you come home from work at night and it's dark, and everything is dark. And then when Christmas comes and it begins to change and you begin to see these glimmers of light, this appreciation and sense of new life begins to overcome people, and they remarkably say how they then appreciate this increased light. Or how many of us have been in a situation of total darkness and being asked to walk through that darkness? How anxious and fearful we can become because we're not sure of where our next step will take us, whether we're on level ground or whether we're going to run into peril. And then when that glimmer of light illumines our path and we get that sense of security again, we begin to see and appreciate what that light is doing for us and where it can guide us. We need the darkness in order to appreciate the light. If it was all of one, then we would not be able to savor the lessons that the balance of both of those bring. But yet when that darkness becomes our experience of life, it's a different story. We have a real hard time accepting it. In fact, we run to our faith and often beg God to relieve us of it. Lord, take this pain away. Even Jesus struggled with that in the garden before he died. And so it's a very human reality to want that suffering to go away. But yet Jesus isn't telling us that he's going to take our pain. He's telling us that he's going to show us a way through it. And that's where the mystery of the passion really comes into play is it stands before us as this stark reminder that there is this balance of life that somehow, in ways that often don't make human sense, there is this dynamic between suffering and death that bring us somewhere, that bring us to life. And so Jesus is crying out to us, allow me to have authority over your experience, allow me to be with you as you struggle through your pain, and I can transform your mind and your heart, and you can learn lessons from what it is you're enduring and being asked to undergo. Your heart can change and be transformed. And isn't that what happens, you know? If we're going through a dark moment, whatever it may be, even if we're just struggling with anxiety, which is often very huge, it can seem like it is daunting and it's getting the best of us. But then when we work through it, we come through as a better, more centered and focused person. Or at least we can be if we allow the journey and God to guide us. So suffering and death are a place where we are called and asked to submit to Jesus' authority to show us a way through that, to show us that it's okay to struggle with both of those realities. 
And it really pushes us to trust. And maybe that light won't come as we journey through this world. Maybe it'll come when we journey into the next. But God will always make good on the promise and always renew us one way or the other. Social justice. You know, we look to our faith often as something to help us achieve salvation. You know, and we come into this holy place and we sometimes have that narrow vision of what it is we're being asked to do. You know, that it's really just simply about me, God, and heaven and what I have to do to get there. Where in reality, if you look at Jesus' teaching, it's much more than that. You know, we had those very beautiful words of the Beatitudes that structure and organize our relationships with one another, that tell us that the poor in spirit are blessed, the sorrowing will be consoled, the lowly will be raised, and God blesses those who are meek and humble. And then we witness Jesus extending the hand of compassion to the sinner and offering God's forgiveness and mercy, reaching out to the person who is poor, providing a place for the marginalized, and welcoming all of God's people into God's kingdom. And saying, point blank, I'm here to build God's kingdom, not the kingdom of the earth. And we struggle with that. Because so often folks want us to keep our faith here. You do the religious thing in here. And religion is meant to stay in here. It's not meant to be brought out into the secular world where I kind of think that if Jesus were walking among us physically again, he would have a little bit of a problem with how uncompassionate the world is on how often we seek solutions to our problems through the use of violence. How much more important preserving the order of politics in the worldly sense is to enhancing and building up the kingdom. I think he would have a problem with the fact that we still haven't gotten the point of his teaching out there. And so social justice is a place where in our minds we have a hard time accepting Jesus' authority because it requires us to change how we view life. It requires that we step out of the way and admit that God may have it right. That the way God structured his kingdom is the way that we all ought to be living. And that it has a voice to our world. And I think that's why when folks like St. Francis of Assisi, St. Teresa of Calcutta, when we watch them work and do their thing, it makes sense to us. They're doing something that resonates as being right and good because that is how we're supposed to be living. That's how God has hardwired us to have that relationship with one another of service and humility, of making sure that no one falls through the cracks, And all of God's children find a place and a home. All of them. Even Pope Francis, as he witnesses things happening in the world, often will take criticism of them. And all he simply does is look at what's happening, look at the gospel, and make a connection. 
Whoa! And he's criticized because he's trying to show folks that what Jesus says has something to say to what's happening over here. And so we struggle with this authority of Jesus. Yes, Lord, you are my Lord, but I'm still really more concerned about what's happening in the stock market. Yes, Lord, you are my Savior, but I'm really more concerned about preserving my own space. And this is this tension that all of us, even the most devout among us, we feel that. You know, because it's the tension between, is God God or am I God? And we're asked today to, again, consider that choice. And so, is Jesus the authority of our lives? It's a simple question, but one that is sometimes hard to answer. But it really ought to be in front of us, as it is today. So as we go back into the ordinariness of our lives this week, perhaps we can tuck that away as we conduct our affairs and our business. What authority do I allow Jesus to have over who I am and how I exercise my presence in the world? Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.